You're listening to the Practically Pastoring Podcast, where we want to help pastors and church leaders share ideas, become better shepherds and leaders, and have a good time with friends. Welcome to the Practically Pastoring Podcast. Jeff, uh, Andrew wanted to talk over the title so- sequence. We couldn't hear it. We couldn't oh. hear it. Well, I'm hearing it great. Um, I'm here <laughs> with my buddies who apparently have sound issues. Up in Baltimore, Maryland, we got Jeffrey Simpson. Hey, hey, everyone. Down in Sumter, South Carolina, with, a, I guess, a haze on or a bad Wi-Fi. I can't tell. We got Delmar Pete. <laughs> I have a flooded yard right now. Hello. Hey. You at a cigar bar? No, my uh, whole yard <laughs> is flooded. <laughs> And in the morning after Mystery Studios with a Baja Blast, we got Andrew Larson. Okay, if we're having sound issues, but we're all having the same issue, it sounds like it's an engineering issue to me. Mm-hmm. All right, and Timothy Miller. Missed you guys. Good to be back. Great. I thought you were calling Tim Baja Blast because of his shirt. <laughs> Which, Which would work. work. Andrew and Baja Blast. Work. That's really funny. Well, what's up, guys? I missed you guys. What's What's good? Uh, life is good. I'm about to get paid to be in a baseball field in a little bit, so I'm Boom, happy man. about that. Yeah. What did you say earlier about the Vikings? I said it, <laughs> it's cultural appropriation, but it's okay because it's white cultural appropriation. Okay. <laughs> Northern European cultural appropriation is fine. That's, that's very uh, true. Go Vikings. Go Vikings. <laughs> what's what's fun. funnier, the fact that schools are like, hey, let's choose to be the Vikings, or that Christian schools for years and years were always the Crusaders, and now they're like, Crazy, yeah, crazy. Maybe we shouldn't claim that as a mascot. Hey, let's fly the, the flag of Jerusalem. The fighting <laughs> in high school, we were the fighting Christians. Yeah, I, I used I, to joke. I played uh, school that was the fighting fundamentalists because of uh, the world that I grew up dude. in. There was a I guy to, with a Bible in hand. Who's the deacons? Who's the what the team is Wake the deacons? The demon, the demon Wake deacons. Demon deacons. That's great. Though. I think we, we've that all good. We've all had a few of those deacons. Am I yes, right? Yes, we Hey-o. have. When 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 I try to explain Trinity College to people. I know our mascots the tigers, but like we barely had any athletics, so I don't know why we even had a mascot. The fighting but milligrams. I used, to, I, <laughs> I used to tell people we were the fighting Bibles, um, but like <laughs> fighting Billy, fighting Billy Grams. Even I don't know why funny. we didn't have Salty the Salter as our Salty mascot. the Salter. That would have been the best, dude. Yeah, what a great well, singing songbook he was. For real, awesome. Um, real quick before we dive into the the two topics we have today. Are you guys feeling um, behind the eight ball or like ahead of schedule when it comes to Palm Sunday, Easter Sunday, Good Friday stuff? I'm feeling yeah. pretty good. I think we're right on par. Yeah, I don't feel way ahead, but I don't feel behind either. Cool. Yeah, we're, we're pretty much right on schedule. We I met with our worship leader last week to get all of our stuff mapped out for Good Friday and our three Easter services. Andrew and Tim, do you guys just like cut down trees outside for your palm branches? Yes. I get them from my backyard. <laughs> I had to order them like two weeks ago. Yeah, we have fifty dollars in Milwaukee. We wow. have to order them too. It's crazy. Wow, yeah, our office admin orders. Still, I think we do order them. I don't know where from though. Probably a it's still place. and fifty dollars is for like just everyone to get one palm. Yeah, like frond that they tear out. My neighbor's and everyone's had a Catholic fence here, so fallen. they make little crosses out of them. It's cool. Mm-hmm. My my neighbor's fence was falling down a bunch, and so they put up a bunch of those like very quick growing palms to oh, hold yeah. it up instead of replacing the fence. And so Smart. they all hang over the fence line now. Yep. And so nice. I just go out there with clippers and I get a bunch. We don't hand out to everybody, just the kids. That is on your property. It's it's literally my property. I'm just doing a property line cleanup. That's it. Lop them off, baby. Yeah, man. Do, do your neighbors know you do a property line cleanup or do you just do it? No. 
They're they're Florida. They just do they it. are they're they're behind me. True. And so I I've, I've met them once. It's like they're they're on a different street in a different neighborhood. They Our would probably just, just say thank you. Yeah, they should. <laughs> they should. And they listen to the podcast, and so you're gonna get uh, you're gonna get a knock on your door tomorrow. Hey, um, uh, there there seems to be every time we take a quick break, there's like so many events that happen. Yeah. In like American Christian evangelicalism, Twitter culture, whatever. Um, but you know, we wanted to make sure whatever topics we talk about are practical. And so we're only going to do one topic that kind of is in the news right now that actually showed up in our Facebook group either yesterday or today, um, that, uh, kind of blew our minds because we thought it was like, it doesn't even seem real. Like it doesn't seem like a real headline, but it's a real headline. The headline is, uh, Judas Smith's mega church faces lawsuit for forcing staff to tithe 10%, oops, sorry guys. 10% 10% of wages, all right? So Julie Royce, surprise, surprise, is has an article about this. What? And She's mad about a megachurch? That doesn't sound like her. <laughs> Stop it. No and uh, and so uh, the summary goes like this. There was like a, a production assistant, someone that was like in the AV part of the church or maybe the production, like the, um, the, the, the content they create, uh, was upset because the church was threatening to like fire them for not tithing the full 10 percent apparently this person was going through like some financial issues i think it was even like medical issues and things like that and they were they were asking if they could be lenient and stuff like that and then uh seems like church home was not and so there is a lawsuit uh being placed on them uh with this person along with anybody else from the church who worked at the time um, against Judah and Chelsea Smith, and get this, I, this is the part of the conversation I want to talk about too, CEO David Kroll. So this church has a CEO, which I think is a fascinating conversation. But anyways, um, it, it's brought up a conversation. Guys, wait, wait, wait. Do, what about the fact that Russell Wilson is on their board? Like the Russell Wilson's on their board? Yes, right? Russell Wilson is on their board as a yeah, I, I, I sent you guys that link, but I didn't look past the CEO. You, you, you didn't look past the <laughs> Yeah, I, Russell Wilson is on their board. That's kind of awesome. His wife once taught me how to do the one-two step. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Russell Wilson. And t- wait, T.D. Jakes, too? Yep. Whoa. Didn't know that. All right. Um, Scrolling so, is hard, guys. <laughs> what, do, what do we think? Oh, they have a doctrine council. That's cool. My um, first thought was, yeah. what in the lack of biblical and historical context are we having here? We have a CEO at a church? What? Well, I mean, yeah. I, I, my guess and is And their that board structure is crazy, too. Like, what are we a, talking about? Yeah. They, I mean, this is not a biblical elder board structure. No, I mean, like this... A, I mean, it doesn't look like a biblical nothing. <laughs> I mean... I told you guys well, I was salty David's today. resume looks sharp. I mean, he began his career with investment banking, wealth management, and technology... I mean, Really got isn't that every well let's talk about the tithing thing first before we talk about uh, church structure um should churches be requiring staff to give 10 percent at the threat of being fired no where are they Seriously getting the 10 percent number from well you know where they're getting it from they're getting it yeah. from abraham with uh, melchizedek and whatnot and they're failing to do any exegesis at all, which, oh, I'm, are you shocked? Is it like, I guess, are you, as a staff member, are you signing this as part of your covenant? If so, then you knew this going into the job. That would be my right. first thought. 
Should the church be doing it? Of course not. But if the staff member knows that's the expectation, then why why are you taking the job in the first place? How, however, if it's illegal in the state that you live in, sure, then maybe you take the job just to bring them down. Maybe you take the job to win the class action lawsuit. Wow. and become Julia Royce's best friend. Wow, so you're saying that's this is a Julia Royce conspiracy right there. <laughs> wow, I, I'm. Do you know what? What she does is valuable and it's necessary, and I wish it was not. That's my take on Julie Royce. Wouldn't it be wonderful sure. if we lived in a world where she was not necessary? Yeah. But unfortunately, she is. Not like her as a human. That's not what I'm saying. I her, just hope the end of the day, she ministry. gives to her local church because she sure makes enough money off of them doing this. <laughs> but sure you know, my, I'm, fi- I think I'm fine with you, them saying, look, yes, you, you, should, you should be tithing. You should be giving to the local church. It's an expectation I, I, as, a, as an, an elder, as a staff member. That's what I said. Expectation, our, yeah. absolutely. But a requirement? Yeah. I. Yeah. A fireable offense for Hey a Tim, those Gucci belts are not going to buy themselves, man. It's true. No, you're right. <laughs> well, I think so so to me that's where that's where it gets tough because yes, we should be giving, but if I look at how like Judah and the staff there seemingly spend their money sometimes. It, it it seems like a less than than holy way to ask somebody because I'm living this extremely lavish lifestyle and you better be giving. Does that make sense? Like I think if it was like in like regular dude like regular dude pastors saying to their staff, I think you should be giving. This is a, a biblical concept. That's way different than your like extremely wealthy, you know, six, maybe seven figure megachurch pastor pulling it in. Does that make sense? Yeah, and to be fair, the article does say that they didn't know that the ten percent giving was a requirement to be on staff. So that that wasn't something that they knew. And that's fair. Well, and, and so and, okay, and so practically, production assistant, you know, like if you have a preschool at your church, are you requiring the same thing uh, uh, from preschool teachers that you are from the senior pastor? I mean, it's yeah, a production person is not like teaching. They're not leading some kind of theology. They are class. not a spiritual. Sure. They're not a spiritual right. authority. No. And this is where the issue becomes of muddling all the lines between who's elders and who's deacons and who's pastors and who's this Russell is why Wilson. words this is why words matter. Yeah, what well, I mean, oh, don't even get me started on the whole board thing. But you know, as far as like us and how we handle it, I think this is a great example of hey, if you're interviewing somebody and that's the expectation, you need to state that, possibly even write it up front so your people don't get in and say, "Oh, I didn't know." And if you're interviewing at a church, you need to ask that specific question. How is that handled? I know a guy at a church, he was um, refuted deaconship because he wasn't giving enough. They sent him a letter in the mail and said, you cannot be a deacon here because you don't give us enough money. And the reason he wasn't given money was because he was going through cancer treatments and he was having to pay for his cancer treatments. So I think like we got to be really careful with how we manage because that got out to the whole community. Like uh, like a couple hundred deacons got this letter that you weren't given enough money to become a deacon, and uh, you know it it became a hot issue. But you know some of them had valid things. One of them, like I said, he was going through cancer treatment. So we 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 can't treat these money issues like blanket statements. This is very personal for every single person, and I think it goes back to like we always say discipleship, and it's a pastoral issue. The the statement in the article that. Smith said that, uh, I'll be very honest, people have already been transitioned or moved on and fired because they were not tithing, the suit claimed. Smith also Uh, reportedly asserted that tithing 10% was a black and white issue and more important than taking communion. Whoa. That that right there is a 
crazy statement. That's a fireable Whoa. offense for him. Crazy. Whoa, statement. listen, those. I'm gonna have to go. To do they have him on record saying that? He has a doctrine yeah. council. I'm gonna have to approach. Wow. It's, it is in the lawsuit, but again, you need to be. You need to know where you live. You know, we in uh, the morning after Tim and I were talking about our annual meeting that we had at our church yesterday because our doc, our bylaws require us to have an annual meeting every March, and because we are incorporated in the state of Florida, that's something that we have to do. Yep. If you are right. in Washington State, a state that has laws against uh, garnishing or paying back employers' wages, it's like um, a rebate yeah, ban, yeah, right? Yeah, the, the, uh, employers' rebate or whatever it's called. Um, you need to know that you can't copy and paste bylaws or church policies, especially if you are a ginormo church that has a lawyer on retainer. Why are you not yep. knowing the laws of the state that you are in? That's just foolishness that I'm going to blame Russell Wilson for. How many times can I bring up Russell Wilson <laughs> in this conversation? First of all, his photo, sh- his headshot is the best one of the bunch. It, well, by far. I mean, it by is. far. Like, He's got a big fat contract. You better so have a good photog. That's his. Uh, that's his Broncos team picture. <laughs> <laughs> Let's ride. Well done. Wow, um, guys. I do want to touch on the theology of communion versus tithing importance. I do think there's an interesting conversation Talk there. About it. People have just, died from both. Just to yeah, just to go like, sure. wait a minute, is it more important, or why do I think communion is more important? I mean, obviously, I'm going to say that communion is an ordinance instituted by Jesus. The tithe is not an ordinance in any church historical context that I know of, although it is an expectation in the New Testament. Not the tithe, but just generosity. Um, So I don't think you can make the argument that it's more important than communion, but then that makes me go, well, maybe I need to think about why I think communion is so important and why I would... We, I mean, at my church, we do both every week, right? We give every week, and we take communion every week. So um, I, to me, that kind of statement is just a, like, it's a f- it sounds like it would be a foolish, offhanded statement made in hyperbole for effect, which he is classic for. That's, like, his shtick, is saying things that are, like, hyperbolic to make a point. But it just is like a weird – that's a weird one to pick. Why would you say tithing is more important than communion? You're obviously saying communion is important, and then, so this is more important? That's just weird to me. Especially when you are paying to be a part of the uh, honorarium scandal that was reported the week before. And you're probably saying that while you're wearing Gucci slides or something. Like, exactly. Yeah, it's but weird. he saved money for the shoes by only wearing Dwight Schrute, sung- uh, by wearing Dwight Schrute glasses. Oh, okay. That saves money, I think. Is it okay. similar to Andy Stanley saying we should support LGBTQ and that's more important than biblical inerrancy? Isn't that what Andy said? Ooh. I don't think that's what he Is said. Is that what he said? Yeah, I don't, that's a stretch. It's Here we have an actual quote directly. <laughs> You know, this before, is more important than this. Before we got, before Tim got here, we were talking about, hey, let's not just like bring up scandalous topics for the sake <laughs> of picking fights. Let's be mature a little bit. But come on, it's more fun. This based way. on Tim's shirt, we can clearly tell that but, maturity is not something he's striving for. Accurate. But let's you be honest, guys. 
Like, let's. We, how how often do we see churches justify this stuff? Like, if I really wanted that money, I could justify it. Listen, God sent His only Son. He sent His first and best. And if and when you tithe, you are literally following like Jesus. You're not even probably a Christian if you're not someone who would give that amount. Like, you see how the we could build the argument in a massive, horrible, you know, isogetical way. And I could see these churches like churches do that, right? Because they they spiritualize it in a place that it shouldn't be spiritualized so they can get you. So, you know, I, I do think that like having what, having your theology up front is so important. And like, that's another great question to ask. What is your theology of generosity if you're interviewing at a church? And I think like the way that we protect ourselves as pastors is we ask our own internal staff, what is our theology of generosity? And make sure that that's straight, because if that's not straight, it just trickles down just like this. I sent this article to one of my elders, and his response was, they only required 10%. Hmm. It's a joke. I do wonder, like, um, <laughs> like giving is ultimately like a discipleship issue. And, like, you, you are helping yeah. people grow in your discipleship. I think it gets really weird when you're discipling people's employment. And that's where, like, and, like, this is also, like, a production person. Like, this isn't, like, a pastor or a person that's like um, a director in some part of the ministry. Like, I, I'm not exactly sure what this person did. If it was like behind a camera or like editing and stuff like that. But you're 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 getting some really weird areas where like I would almost say, hey, if there's a requirement to be on staff at a church, it would be required that you would like join development groups where you do like three or four book yeah, studies be in a small group yeah yeah requires small groups or you know like like my church requires small group participation to either lead or 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 be in it um and it's through those avenues where you can um kind of fortify a person's understanding on generosity but like to make it sounds like it's i think jeff used the word like rebate it's almost like a it's like if i get this employee I get a ten percent rebate back from them, um, to, to and that's like something to like the, the church. It's it's a very like pragmatic financial decision, and that feels very like this is the problem. This is where I, I tell people like mega churches, multi site churches, mega churches. It's a model, but it's not the model of church. And as a model, it's one of the more complicated models because it's when you it starts like introducing these business and fiduciary terms. And you start straying away from the clarity of what we're called to do as a church. And so, like, like it's a fight. It's a wrestle in these larger churches. And I'm in a larger church to, like, maintain that balance of, like, what the church is about and to sustain the model of the size of it. Does that make sense? Or am I speaking out my butt? All right. You guys get it. All right. I've got, I've got two thoughts. Uh, the, the first church I ever worked at when I was being hired the question that the executive pastor or whatever his title was at the time was, do you want us to just set up auto draft tithing for you? Um, and I was like 22. I was like, uh, no, I, I don't. He was like, are you sure? It, it's way easier. And I was like, no, nah, no, nah, man. <laughs> I'm, I want to think good. about my worship. Yes. So, um, another thought is, and this is just kind of off the top of my head, Frank, when you're talking about, you know, the, complexity of, of big churches. I am on the other end of that. We were 86 people yesterday. We are not a big church, but we also had our annual meeting yesterday. And so we're looking at our giving for the year and there's a whole lot more than 10% coming in unless there's some really rich people that 
don't show it at our church, which is, you know, maybe a possibility. And it is because we routinely have six generations of people represented at our church each and every Sunday. We have people in their 70s, 80s, and 90s that can afford to be super, super generous. At a lot of these very popular churches, that's that's not the case. You have the really cool, you know, 18 to 34-year-olds, but when people start having families of their own, they they don't want to be at a church like that anymore. And one of the reasons that the church is healthiest when it is a mosaic of ethnicities and demographics and ages is because you can build each other up and lift each other up when you are only reaching one type of person. And I don't know who, I don't know what the targets of church, what the target demographic of church home is. Um, I I know that they did the big thing about the church app instead of a new location. It's our location is everywhere in your pocket. A few years before COVID, they, they did that. So I'm assuming that their target demographic is millennials and younger. But one thing that you lose when you lose the older generations in your church is you lose that modeled generosity that, you know, even us, at, you know, in our 40s, if you're me and 30s, if you're you guys, I don't have the financial margin to be like, hey, I'm going to bust off 25, 30 percent of what's coming in this year because I've got four kids in the house. 20 years from now, that might not be the case. Yeah. My, one one last thought I have on it is that one of, I guess as I'm thinking about it and I start to articulate what's my issue with this because at first it just you know it just makes me feel icky. But part of the reason for that is that you are uh legislating Christian maturity if that makes sense. Generosity is an outgrowth of Christian maturity and what you're doing here is you are legislating that Christian maturity and you are enforcing it and punishing it if it doesn't happen. So my question would then be, what other marks of Christian maturity are you doing this with? It And part of the reason why it feels gross is that you're picking and choosing this particular one because it serves you and your purpose of, as Andrew said, continuing to have the church grow at a certain rate or be a certain thing. So is there a staff requirement for evangelism? And if someone is shown to not be evangelizing, could they get fired? And if, if the answer get- to that is... If the answer to that is no, then I'm questioning why did you pick and choose tithing, and it seems like a pretty obvious answer. Which fruits of the Spirit can you legislate? That's the question. Right. Yeah, that is the question. Because like in our mission and vision statement, we talk about moving towards Jesus being the, the main you know thing with discipleship, and one of the movements towards Jesus is coming under his lordship when it comes to your money. But we don't have a percentage or a number or a specific, and if someone's not doing that, I mean, frankly, like, as a pastor, that is a terrible way to pastor. Hey, you're not growing under my leadership, so I'm going to punish you. Instead of going, you're not growing under my leadership, that's on me. I'm the shepherd here. I can't punish the sheep for not growing under my leadership. That's where I would be like, hey, Judah, be careful. The scriptures are very clear. Those of us who want to teach and be in authority are going to have a a, a harsher judgment. Yeah. Like uh, th- that's where my heart goes in this. Like, dude, this is you're you're walking yourself towards like some pretty severe to me. Some what seems like would be some pretty severe uh, discipline. Jeff, I can't echo you enough, man. Like a lot of this has to come down to the spiritual maturity of the people, and 
unfortunately, and I think we've all seen it, a lot of times the conversation about giving your money is either birthed out of like obligation or guilt or greed, right? Your what's that saying? Your um your blessing comes from your obedience. That kind of like and they tie it to money and stuff, but it really is a spiritual maturity issue. And now that being said, I think we also need to fence that and make sure that churches don't see that the only mark of maturity is giving. There are churches out there that they may have so many that the only thing they really have a handle on is their how much they give. And that's definitely not someone's only mark of giving. But I, man, I'm right there with you. If we handle that one well and keep it out of those ditch banks of like guilt and obligation or, you know, trying to manipulate God into giving us something, a lot of this issue just dissipates. I uh, I think it's um, it's interesting that the, the person talked about how they were having some like financial issues and like in those situations, the churches I've been a part of that had multi-staff individuals like that were offered like either some sort of benevolence to help with those type of things or uh, like free it like in a staff setting like hey you we will pay for you to be a part of a dave ramsey class right like 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 just to to threaten it just it just i mean one we haven't even talked about the one thing that we haven't talked about is the and i know we've talked about this before jeff you made a point last time we talked about this we asked is it weird for the senior pastor to know how much the staff is giving or how much anyone's giving and and Jeff, you said I believe it's not that it's wrong; it just feels weird. But like, it's not like unbiblical. Well, I, I'm not. I I would say you can't make an argument that it's wrong, but I could make an argument that it's very unwise yeah. because I don't trust my own heart. But having said that, I heard I've said this before, but there's this somebody said this, and I remember it from a conference or something. There's no reason that somebody doesn't give that's not pastoral. If they're not giving because they don't think they should, that's teaching, that's pastoral. If they're not giving because they're like, I'm not gonna, that's a rebellion, that's a pastoral issue. If they're not giving because they can't, this is a pastoral care issue. So in this situation, if somebody's going through a a financial hardship, the response should be pastoral care. Like, oh, could we give you more money? As a church and benevolent and take care of you, not well. You better get it together, or you're going to get fired. I mean, maybe I'm reading into the article, but that's the way it's portrayed. So to me, it's like this. This whole thing is weird. But in our, you know, in our discussion, we didn't even touch on this. But like, as I'm looking at the the leadership structure of the church, that's a whole other weird thing. To, and to me, when I look at the leadership structure here, there's no accountability. Mm-hmm. What is Russell Wilson going to do if Judas Smith does something crazy? What is TD Jakes going to yeah. do? Russell Wilson like, probably wouldn't throw him a touchdown based on No, he probably year. definitely well, wouldn't. And this, this, goes to the, this goes to the, the, the structuring. There's no teeth. There's no teeth in any this of is, this, right? These are, these are outside people who the worst— I thought the, you were talking worst... about Russell's headshot, and that's what's that's so true. weird about that picture. Oh, it is. Because <laughs> they're stupid. <laughs> but the, only, the only thing they can do is publicly resign from the yeah, board. yeah. yeah. And it doesn't do anything. Home, There's no ecclesiastical teeth. Church to it. home is structure. I was because I was on the website and I was trying to navigate. Th- this is what happened at Mars yeah. Hill. There was there wasn't an internal or or even higher up sense of actual ecclesial authority. Was, All they could do was resign. I was navigating the website because the website feels more like a nonprofit organization than a church. Yeah, the way the website's laid out, and then I finally found like okay, they do have in person services in Seattle and in LA, 
but like it's like it's like it's not the it's it's just kind of an odd website. It doesn't feel like a church website. It feels like a like some sort of just it's a nonprofit website and the structure of it being like having these like multiple leadership boards. Well, it it looks like a parachurch ministry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like a, to have a, a chief executive officer, a CEO of your ministry it, that that's so, such a weird sentence for a church it's not weird for a nonprofit because the ceo answers to shareholders yeah that's why it's weird but 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 i think it's such like a it, it, it's such this is so unusual and I, I i appreciate what you said i was actually googling the names of all the other folks on this list like one of them is a producer one of them is a fashion designer these are is this board of directors are like super influential people in one way or another they're not that are external. Well, they're not necessarily elders. Does that make sense? And like, right? They can't do anything. To, they can't actually. And the doctrine council is like again, it's outside voices that yeah, I guess you are voluntarily accountable to. And maybe they go to the church, but, but like, I maybe it, it's, it's it's this. I I think we're onto something where the structure of your church is very important. Because if you have more of a nonprofit kind of structure where you as the lead person can kind of do whatever you want and your board of directors are only just making sure that the mission and vision is in line, like this is why you can kind of say crazy stuff like tithing is as, is more important than giving. Like if you had like like Andrew and Tim, if, if you said to your elders tithing is more important than giving, like what would happen on Monday? They would walk up to me at the end of the service. If I said tithing is more important than giving, they'd be like, aren't they the same thing? I'm sorry, tithing is more important. If I said tithing yeah. is more important than communion, <laughs> that em. would be an issue. Yeah, yeah. They would not be cool with that. Also, there's a pastor chat feature on the church home website. Yeah, I'm jumping on the pastor. Tim, it is manned today from 6 a.m. till 9 p.m. Pacific time. So wow. there is a pastor whose job is to uh, – Moderate the chat room apparently. So Tim's gonna. Dell, I just in. signed your email up for it, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Tim did that voluntarily. So thankful. But hey, this is interesting. If, uh, we would love to hear your conversation more. I, I I did see on Twitter people posting their like job agreements. Uh, you know where they were saying or they were posting that in their job agreement they they agreed to give to the church regularly, and some even had like a ten percent mark. The, the thing is, I think a lot of churches, when you work for a church, you kind of agree that the, the, that you would give to the church, but it's not an obligation. It's more of an expectation. Does that make sense? Like, I don't think people are getting fired for not giving, but like Jeff said, it becomes a pastoral issue if you're not or whatever. And so it's, it's, it's interesting. I want to hear your conversation more. would love to hear you on the Facebook group. We'll talk about that some more. Here's another question. And I want to be sensitive about this. This happened in our Facebook group. And in our Facebook group, Tim, I want to, I want to respond afterwards at the end of the show about what the, the pastor is saying in the, on the church website. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm talking with them right now. That's awesome. On the Facebook group, uh, someone posted this. Anon- they said they would, they would reply faster if you would click this online giving link. Is that <laughs> <laughs> uh, someone posted this anonymously. So they said this question. What do you do if you don't trust the senior pastor's, senior pastor's leadership but love the people of the church and see the amazing potential it has if the senior pastor was different? That's all that was posted. Delmar, did you write this? Oh, dang. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling <laughs> yeah, you, I, I could give you a chat GPC answer so fast. 
Come yeah, on. why don't you go listen to the backlog of this of this podcast? Wow, wow. Uh, uh, so, uh, first thing yeah. you do is be really, really careful, buddy. Yeah, be really careful. Yeah, of your own heart. There's a lot of red flags in mm. here. Having been in the that position and now being a senior pastor, I have a different perspective. Getting on the other side of it, I'm sure, Tim, you have some of that as well. Um, and so, like, just be really careful. You can't start a coup. Yeah, That's all a I'm couple things. A hundred percent. A couple of things that come to my mind. One, it depends on the size of your church, because if it's a smaller church, or even if it's a larger, but like, if you have that vibe, people can just sniff that out, man. And the people who have that same vibe will come to you. It's really easy for them to start wanting to follow you as their person. And even if you're not asking for it, like it's going to seek you out. And also, I think tenure of the pastor makes a big difference, especially if you're saying, I'm staying here because I love the people. I totally get that. I totally get that. My um, That was my biggest reason I stayed at my former employment so long, because there's good people. Um, but one thing I've come to learn is if your pastor's been there for 20 some odd years, and you're like, oh, if there's just a new pastor, it'll be fine. He has 20 years of his DNA in the brick and mortar of that of that church. It's not going to go that way. So I think you have to have some real conversations with yourself. And I'm saying if it's if you're already feeling that way, man, there's about eighty percent chance that this this you're not going to be there. Um, and, and like I will I will tell you this, uh, I had a guy reach out last week. If if there's someone you need to talk to, if you want to send me a private message on that, feel free to to shoot me a message on that. Yeah, my first thought is this this doesn't sound healthy. Like this just. I know this can happen anywhere and everywhere, but it, it, it typically doesn't lead to fruitful ministry when when feelings and thoughts like this start to spring up. And I, I did battle some of this for for a season, but I knew my calling at the time, and that was to to support the ministry of Lakeview Church and, and the leadership at that time. And, and and I was you know I was under that senior pastor, and I did fully support him, even though I you know. I got the comments and the, uh, when are you going to start your own thing? We're going to, we're only going to come when you're preaching. I'm like that. Like, I don't know about you, but I hated those comments. Like that doesn't that is help rude. Same. Out. I hate 100% it. Like, rebellious like, attitude. Yeah. And I, I'm like, no, that's not healthy. That's in, not in godly environment ever. What I hear when I hear that is, Hey pastor, when you become the pastor, I'm going to be just as rebellious as I'm being right now. Good luck. Right. <laughs> I, I just spent nine weeks in first Samuel. Uh, with our church doing a study on the life of Samuel. And so we didn't really cover a whole lot of King David. It was, you know, he was one of the background players in the series. But I just think of David's unwillingness to do anything to the Lord's anointed. And it's a different setting, obviously. There's no physical anointing, most likely. I don't know what your church does. But it's it is not your job to... And that's not to say to be okay with sin, right. but it's it is not your job to do God's job. It is God's right. job to do God's job. And if God wanted you in the number one chair at that place, you might be in the number one chair at that place. But if that's not what God wants to have happen, you having a salty attitude isn't going to make any difference. And I I get it, especially I, you know. Let's just say I get it. We've all had weird experiences working for a different senior pastor because all senior pastors are people and all people are sinners. However, you're not God if you cannot remain 
under the authority that God has placed over you, you don't you don't belong there. When you sign also, on to take a job at a church, you are saying, "Here's the authority that I am willingly putting myself under." Mm-hmm. And the moment I can no longer stay under that authority, I don't need to have this job anymore. Yeah, I would also say too. Again, having been have moved from one position to the to the other. I just want to say this as lovingly as I can to this person. Like, you don't know everything. You just don't. You think you do, and you might feel like you absolutely do, but you do and not know pastor, everything the senior pastor this, knows. And this pastor might be a real scoundrel. That's a possibility, He might too, be. That, I, that I want to say this make, on the other— That does not make anything that we said untrue. Right. I want to say this on the other side of this, too. You might be right. Yeah. Because when I was dealing with this, I was given this book called Tale of, Tale of Three Kings or Tale of Two Kings, and it's about David and his sons. And I read that book and thought, this doesn't help me at all. Because it essentially, the message I got from it is, you never question God's anointed. And a pastor is not God's anointed king. That's not what we are. So you might be right that the senior pastor is a scoundrel, or that he doesn't, he lacks leadership, or that he needs to move on. But you're not sitting in the seat to make that, to make that decision. And you also don't know everything that he knows. And I guarantee that he knows some things that if you knew or you'd been in the room for, you would soften the edges of your opinion. Yeah, and I would and also, also add to someone, that when someone brought oh. a specific when someone brought a specific sin issue to me, I I said um, you, you need to go to the elders and you need to you yeah. need to speak with the elders on this. This is not this is I'm not, not your liaison. To, yeah, exactly. That's right. Well, and this is a good conversation for every single one of us. And I would encourage this guy who wrote this. He needs to go ahead and write where his line in the sand is right now, because you can have you can be in fellowship with pastors and disagree on things all day long, right? Like if our if some of our nuanced stuff is different, we could totally be in fellowship. For me, my line is when you change what sin is and when you change what salvation is. Like those are two we're departing fellowship. So you have to sit down and say, why are you really not like your pastors? Because you have different personalities. Maybe he's a, you know, a military style, you know, get with it. And you like the friendly, you know, well, that's interpersonal, but you have to do, you have to really sit down and say, what am I willing to break fellowship with? And if those lines are being crossed, you are in sin. If you stay there, um, if you know that the right thing for you to do is to go and to not go. And I'll give a shout out to my buddy, Sean Gata. He listens to this podcast every week, but he, uh, when I was talking through him about a lot of my situations, I said, but there's so many good people at this church I love. And he just got real quiet on the phone, and he said this, Dell, there's good people that you can love at every church. And for you to stay for someone else when you're having to violate your own conscience, man, that like uh, I think it was Andrew said, you're just going to be a salty person, and which is going to lead to bitterness, which is going to lead to sin. And then you are no better than the leader that you're critiquing. Wow. Well, uh, if, if like Del said earlier, if you are that person that is struggling with their senior pastor and you want someone to talk to, uh, probably any one of us would love to talk to you. Uh, Del and and Tim have gone through those uh, experiences um, more recently, and um, and it's tough, but we would love to. To support you, and um, I hope that the answers you're getting in the Facebook group are beneficial and helpful as well. Um, hey, with that said, Tim, is there any update on the chat? Did did 
did you get your credit card information? Yeah, so I, I reached out to the church home pastor chat and said, hey, just wondering your thoughts on requiring church employees to tithe. Thanks. Their response was, sorry, no one has responded yet. We have your email on file, which I put Andrew's email in there. <laughs> I hate if you. you need to leave or you can continue to wait. Oh, no. They're for sure. It wasn't your real email. <laughs> okay. It was a fake email. Okay. <laughs> that makes you feel better. It, but if we have any updates between now and next week, I'll be sure to let you guys know. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, if you want to keep this conversation going, if you have had any interesting conversations in the pastor chat at Church Home, let us know on the Facebook. We want to we wanna know how it went with that being said that has to be the worst job in ministry ever the complaint department (laughs) at a church for sure no just like the the chat room pastor. you know it says pastor chat so are you are you getting the housing allowance if you're moderating the chat or the i don't nope you know they are they're an intern but boy that has to be the worst least fulfilling job in all of ministry right there but also funny because, man, do you have a lot of power. Yeah. Right? You, yes, you say you something do. wild and heinous in there, dude. <laughs> Where you know there's screenshots happening. Hey, and listen, I will I will confess some, some wicked, <laughs> sinful thoughts that I had <laughs> when I was in this position of, uh, you know, thinking the senior pastor was not the right fit. I managed the church website, and don't think it didn't cross my mind to just post something crazy. <laughs> On Oof. the homepage of the church Oof. website, William Wallace. And then I was like, that's right a, here, ladies and that, gentlemen, that's, could, a, that's yeah. a terrible, terrible you idea. Edited the um, the sermons in such a way, splice them up. Really could have. It, it would have been. <laughs> well, I didn't really have to. The man plagiarized oh, like word wow. for word off of Bill Hybels. So yeah, like uh, I, had, I, I I met with. Let's a, hope that's not the only thing he copied from Bill Hybels. Hey, I met with a I met with a, a friend who's in ministry who uh, who served in Brazil for a time. And he said that the pastor that was in that city plagiarized John Piper and just like took his sermons and translated them into Portuguese. And he said his best sermons were the ones he plagiarized from John Piper. <laughs> so apparently his original sermons were pretty bad. <laughs> so so anyways, <laughs> with that being said, we hope to see you next week um, as we are going to discuss Palm Sunday and Holy Week. But we hope your planning and stuff is going well. We'll see you next week. I'm Frank Gill. I'm Jeff Simpson. I'm Delmar Pete. I'm Andrew Larson. And I'm Timothy Miller. And this is Practically Pastoring. See ya. Thanks for listening. Get connected to other pastors by joining the Practically Pastoring Facebook group, where we get to share ideas and make each other better.